Oh, 
There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. 
everybody take a second and turn around and say hello to somebody. My name's Allie, and we're glad you're here. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through. 2023 Women's Retreat is coming up this September. Registration is open now. Payment plans are available, and registration is fast and easy. See Cindy or Shonda at the information table for details. Our next baptism is Sunday, June 25th at Carmody Park. Come celebrate with those getting baptized in the creek at 2 p.m. See you there. for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. Okay. How's everyone? Good? It's supposed to rain. Yay? Yay, yay, we need rain. Pat says no. Let it rain here in Tennessee. Not in Tennessee. Teenagers will leave tomorrow for youth camps. We need to pray for them. Actually pray for the adults, but... Uh, It'll be good. Um, I don't know if anything's happening. The next thing I think is the baptism. So if you've invited Jesus in your life and never been baptized, the creek is the place to do it. It's, it's the best place, right? It's running water. Um, other than that, you know, the 4th of July parade, you see all those things there. So let's say a prayer and uh, take up the offering. So Lord, just thank you that we can give to you. Thank you that you gave it all for us. And use these gifts to glorify your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Good morning. How we doing? You guys doing? Someone's great. Who's great? All right. So I'm talking about. We have started a series called the Summer of Love, or something like that. And uh, for the next several weeks, we're just going to be looking at the topic of of love and what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to share God's love with the people in our lives. And so last week, um, Dad started it off, and and today we're going to continue. Good? Yeah? So let's take a few moments simply to just uh, quiet our hearts and our minds and just kind of um, be present. And so I always like to start with just a little bit of silence at the very beginning where we're just kind of, the idea is to connect with God. Does that make sense? Like that's the, that's the idea of the Christian life is to live in such a way that we're connected to this thing, this mystery that we're a part of. Good? Does that make sense? So that's why I like to start doing it this way because I feel like silence is, is the path. So let's take a few moments simply to do that. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and be with us. We know that you're already here. Open our hearts and our minds to you. And so we ask that you just be with us as we study your word, as we explore these ideas, as we try to live it and live it out in our lives. We ask that you just bless our time. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Mark chapter 12 says this. It says, One... One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Jesus is having a conversation with other religious leaders. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all of the commands, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And Dad um, shared this last week, and, and the way that Dad put it was like this, that we love God, you go, yeah, we love God passionately, we're called to love God passionately, meaning with our heart, we are called to love God personally, with our soul, we are called to love God intellectually, with our mind, and that we are called to love God physically with our strengths and our abilities and our talents, and that 
We are called to live an integrated life where our entire being is in communion and connection with God, loving God and receiving from God. Does that make sense? Like, that's why you were created. Because that's what love does. That's what God does. God creates to create more love. Good? Like a family, right? Husband, wife, fall in love. What happens? The love expands. And then it turns 13. Right? And then it gets crazy for a little while. But the love expands. It's what love does. But Jesus doesn't stop just with that one passage or that one um, command. He continues and he says this. Did I not have the second part? Did I not give you the second? Oh, my bad. Wow, how did I do that? My bad. Well, anyway, I'll just tell it to you because I know that and I know what it is. The second part is this. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so when asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, which raises the question for me. Why would Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment, the one, why would he give two, right? Several years ago, and if you've been around, you've probably heard this story already, so I'm sorry, it's all I got is these stories. Several years ago, I was coaching uh, football at Franklin High School, and I was the defense coordinator, and on Thursday nights, we would have the football team or the defensive players come to our house. And my son was very little at the time. He was probably four or five years old. And so we would come, and we would watch a game film, and I would make them cookies. And it was actually, it was funny, this was right when texting first started. At least this was my introduction to texting. And the kids, the high school students, they would sit in the floor and they would not talk to each other. They would text each other. And I remember watching them and thinking, this is so weird. They're having conversations with one another, but they're not, they're not talking. They're just texting. But there was one kid in particular that took a real liking to Evan. His name was Sammy Gauze. He was a wild man. Tom, you remember Sammy. And uh, he would always get down on the floor and play with Evan. And that season, you know who my wife's favorite player on the team was? It was Sammy Galls. You want to know why? Because of the way that he treated Evan. He loved our kid. And Evan loved him. And Evan thought that the football players came over. They didn't. He thought that they came to see him. Like Thursday night, the the football players are coming to see him. That's what he thought. But I, I think that the reason why Jesus gives two is this. That it's impossible to love God without loving his kids. Does that make sense? I think it's completely impossible to just have a one-on-one relationship with God. It's not just this vertical relationship, but it's a horizontal relationship as well. We're going to talk about this with the youth group this week. We have this connection with God, but the reality is if I want to love God with all my heart, mind, strength, soul, then the only outlet, the only way for me to do this is by loving the people 
in my life. Does that make sense? And so you can't just, you can't have a personal, a personal relationship with God. I, I know we say that and whatever. I think it's baloney, honestly. I don't think you can have a personal relationship with God. It's communal all the way. The only way you love God is by loving the people in your lives. And so it raises this question, well, how, we're do- how are we doing? As, as Christians, how are we doing at following these commands of loving God and loving our neighbor? Several years ago, there was a book that was written by a guy named Gabe Lyons and another guy named David Kinman. And um, it was put on by uh, what is called the Barna Group, which is a Christian organization that does a ton of surveys and trying to, like, see where culture is at and how is Christianity relating to culture. And the point of the book was simply this. How do people who do not follow Jesus see Christians today? And so the survey came out like this. One, that they saw they saw Christians as anti-homosexual. Like angry towards people who live a different lifestyle than the traditional understanding within this country and those types of things. They were too political. Christians are too political. Always trying to sway votes and blah, blah, blah. They found Christians to be hypocritical. That the Christian message appears to be about loving other people, but... Christians don't seem to be very good at doing this. When asked um, how they saw Christians, one of the answers which I I found interesting was that they were insincere, meaning this. If you're a friend with a person who's not a Christian, they're kind of suspicious of you because are you trying to convert them? And that none of the relationships felt authentic because there seemed to be a, an agenda behind it. Does that make sense to you guys when I say that? Yeah. And then the, the, the last one here is that they, assume, they observed that Christians seemed to be sheltered. Not with it, with what's going on, with, with reality and the, the, the problems that people really face in life and mental health and, and those types of things. Yeah? Now, here's what's interesting. This book was wit- written in 2000, or it was published in 2012. It's probably worse today. If they redid this, this survey, the, the, the results would probably be worse. Yeah? And so for me, it raises this question, because I believe, like, this Jesus thing is one of the most beautiful things that you can experience in life. So why would we not want to share it? But how do we change this if this is the perspective of people outside of the Christian community? Well, how do we do that? Well, we do it by obeying the great commandment to love God and love your neighbor, which raises the question then. Well, how do we love our neighbors? What does that look like? And I would start here. Love begins with understanding. If you're going to love someone else, it begins by understanding. How many of you guys watch the news? 
Shame on you. <laughs> I work out at this gym every morning, and there's a guy there who works out. He's a personal trainer. He's a funny guy. <clears throat> but he, when he's not training somebody, he watches Fox News in one of the rooms that we have. It's actually a kid's room. It has a TV. So he sits in there in the kid's room and watches Fox News the entire time. Now, I don't watch the news, but I have to listen to that the whole time that we're in their training. And here's what I've observed. They're telling you how to think about other people who don't think like they think. Yeah? Say that again. They're telling you how to think about other people who don't think like they think. There's no understanding. There's no conversation. There's no listening to other people's opinion. It's just flat out, these what these, this is what these people believe. They're against you and your values. They are your enemy. Yeah? And I'm sure if we turned on CNN or whatever, I don't even know what the left side of news is, but if we turned that on, I'm assuming that would probably be exactly the same as that. And so the reason why there's so much violence and, and disdain and anger and hate in the world that we live in today is because we do not understand one another. We just listen to the talking heads tell us how to think about other people who don't think about us. Instead of doing the hard work of listening to other people. Does that make sense? Last night my wife was with a friend of hers and um, she said they were having this really deep conversation and she had this... She's kind of been... I don't want to get too personal about it, but my wife's been a little bit judgmental towards this person because of the situation this person's in. But after having this conversation, she realized, oh my goodness, I have no idea what it must be like to be her. And no wonder she acts the way that she does because I've never experienced that before. Does that make sense? And so by listening and understanding another person, it changed the way that she felt towards her. And love grew in her heart from that understanding because another name for love is understanding. Which leads me to the next thought. Understanding, if we're going to learn to love other people, we have to learn to understand other people. And if we're going to learn to understand other people, we're going to have to learn to listen to other people. Now, listening is a skill, in my opinion. Because for whatever reason, we're, we are taught in this world to think about what we need to say and share what we need to say. Ever have a conversation with somebody and like in the middle of it, you realize they're not listening to you because they're thinking about what, how they're going to come back? Yeah? You know, you guys know these people? I know that you're not those people, but you know what I'm saying. It's so annoying. Because you're trying to share your thoughts or your opinions or maybe just your frustrations. Or sometimes, and I'm bad about this, because I'm a fixer. Me and my wife have been married for 21 years. Is that right? 
she would complain. I noticed that she would like to come home from work and complain about whatever. And for probably the first 15 years of our marriage, my default is if you're complaining to me about something, it's because you want me to fix it, right? So she would complain about stuff, and then I would give suggestions on how we should fix this problem because that's why else would you share your problems with me if you don't want me to fix them? And I realized after a lot of messing this up, she didn't want me to fix anything. She just wanted me to do what? To listen. So listening is a skill. I, look, I see husbands and wives looking at each other right now. Sorry, guys. But listening is a skill. Listening is learning how to be present. Listening is learning how to be there. And the the reality is most people don't want you to fix their problems. They just want you to be there for them. They just want to know that they're not alone in it. And so we don't have to fix people's problems. We just have to be with them, which isn't that what Jesus does? He's with us. It's the, he, that's like the point of the Christian message is that God doesn't stand at the distance. He comes to be with us in it. You know, he takes on the flesh and blood of humanity to understand our issue, our problem. And he forgives it. You know? And so listening is a, a way, a posture in this world, in life, to be with people. And not to try to solve their problems, to just connect with them. Because listening is another way to love. It's probably one of the most important ways to love, is learning how to listen. And so maybe you have people in your life that you don't like, or are annoying. They could be people at work, they could be people in your house. Just learning how to be with them and listen. And not trying to fix them. People aren't problems to fix. They're people to love. And so learning how to listen. And so to love is to understand. To understand begins by listening. Now, when I was in the middle of like writing this or whatever you want to call sermon making, I started thinking about this word understand. And that to understand is to stand under. And I never thought about this before. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if you're an English teacher and I'm wrong about this, I'm sorry. But to understand is to stand under. It's a particular posture that you take with another person. I'm not going to stand over and lord over you and try to tell you how to be. I'm going to take a particular posture where I stand under and really try to listen and pay attention to you. But then as I was thinking about standing under, I thought about the posture that Jesus has as a servant. One of the, one of the stories in the scriptures is Jesus at the Last Supper. And in John's rendition of the story, he doesn't talk about the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine. He talks about that during the middle of the supper, he, that Jesus got up and took off his outer, his outer robe and took some water and a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. 
And that even Peter is like in the middle of this, like, no, nah, man, don't do this. If you're going to like, you know, if you're going to wash my feet and just wash like my whole body, which I don't know even what that kind of Peter was a weirdo, apparently. And Jesus says to them, listen, you don't understand what I'm doing to you right now, but you're going to get it. You'll figure it out. And then he tells them that as they share this message with the world, to go and to do likewise, to go and to be servants. Now, I don't, I don't remember where I heard this quote from, but this old pastor, I heard a pastor say this one time. He was quoting somebody else. He says this. He says, when you've washed someone's feet, when you serve somebody, you begin to understand why they walk the way that they do. That when you take the time to wash a person's feet, you begin to understand why they walk the way that they do. Now, this is a metaphor. The idea is simply this. When you take the time to serve other people, you begin to understand why they are how they are. Which, again, is another way to love. I remember working at the free store for years with Lee over here, and we would get to hear the stories of the, of the characters that would come into the free store. And there are some characters down there, weren't they? And you could be real judgmental towards people that, you know, they, who appear, who appear to be trying to get a handout. You could be real judgmental towards that person. But as you began to sit there with them and listen to their stories and understand all the things that they have to face day to day, and as you serve them, you begin to understand why they are the way that they are. And I don't know about you, Lee, but I know that for myself, my heart would grow bigger with every interaction. Now, there are some people that are jerks, and there are some people that are taking advantage. But how desperate do you have to be to try to rob a free store? Right? How desperate is your life that you're trying to trick people who are trying to give you something for free? It must be pretty bad. Or maybe this, the, the mental, their mental state is just a mess. Yeah? Does that make sense? And so loving other people, is, it begins by understanding them. Understanding people begins by listening to them. But then also the posture of understanding other people is also taking the posture of a servant and serving people with no strings attached, which does something terribly interesting in your life if you do it long enough. What you begin to discover when you learn to love people, when you learn to serve people, is that, is that serving builds a bridge between you and other people. When you love and when you listen and when you serve other people, it begins to build a bridge between you and them that Jesus can walk over. Now, the first time I came across this, this saying, I thought, I thought it was, oh, I have Jesus and I'm good. I need to listen and love and serve people so that bridge can be built so Jesus can walk from me to them. That's how I thought about it for a long time. But what I've discovered is I, as I build that bridge of love 
with other people. It's not Jesus walking from me to them so they can be saved or whatever. Somehow in the middle of that, Jesus walks from them to me. Does that make sense? I'm not saving them. They're saving me. Me learning to love. Me learning to listen. Me learning to serve other people. Somehow, I don't know how God does it, but somehow what God does in the middle of that is He ministers to us through it. Yeah? You guys good? All right. Homework. Homework this week. Here's your homework. For the rest of your life, not just this week. Number one, take the time to listen to people in your life. Your kids, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, people that you hate. Is that my mom? Take the time to listen. Turn off the news. Turn, or I'll say it like this. It's okay to be informed. But any time, start to build a radar in your life of people who are suspicious of other people. Begin to build a radar in your life of people who are suspicious of other people. It's okay to be discerning. It's okay to be cautious. But when other people paint others as the enemy, that's not good. And it's not good for you and your soul. Because it closes it up. It, it, it walls it up so that you can't love other people. It's hard to love people that you're suspicious of. Yeah? So learn how to listen. Two, take the time to understand other people in your life. What do they like to do? What are they afraid of? What do they love? What was their, ch- their childhood like? Take the time. Know the, learn their story. Share your story. And then three, serve. Serve. With no strings attached. No agenda. Good? All right. Two questions. What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? So simply take a few moments to, to, to reflect on this, and then we're going to share communion together. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments.
All right. Amen. If you have one of these, grab it and take it out. Every week we take part in this, this family meal where we are reminded that we are welcome at Jesus' table. And every week we pray this prayer as a way to center our hearts and our minds. And this prayer can become a pattern in our lives of what it looks like to, to live this stuff out. So pray this with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine and said, This is the blood of the new covenant that's shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. Then he spilled it on the table. Then he fixed it, but because it turned it into, never mind. Later reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Which means we, we remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And we're reminded that we are called to take part to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. So take the bread, look at the person next to you and say, the body of Christ was broken for you. Now the cup, the blood of Christ that was shed for you. Good? Makes sense? So just love the people in your lives. That's all really, all boils down to. So let's all stand, grab hands with the person next to you if you like. Pray for us this week. Just got back from vacation. Now we're going on a youth trip, and I'll need a vacation after that for sure. So... But we have a we have a small group with us this this year, so it'll be it'll be cool to be able to really connect with the kids in that way. And so we just be praying for our trip and and safety and those types of things. So with that, let's pray. So Father, we just thank you for this this Jesus who shows us what it looks like, uh, shows us what you look like, and, and may we learn to live this out to love unconditionally the people in our lives. And so give us. Hearts to understand, gives us, give us ears to listen, give us hands to serve the people in our lives. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just guide us and keep us this week. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. See you guys.